What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Your host, Andrew Donaldson. This is Herb Hell. Ah, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, you've probably heard tell over and over again that there's these generation things. It's actually a pet peeve of mine. The boomers do X and Gen Z does Y and the millennials are doing whatever else. I, I've kind of gotten tired of it. It's a little broad brush, but we're going to talk about Generation Z today. So we're going to need one of them because I'm getting too old to actually relate to those folks. Kate Farmer, uh, she's one of our great Young Voices contributors. Love talking to them. Uh, she's currently interning at AEI Place, I very much like. And also student at Washington University of St. Louis, who individually sent me more mail as a teenager than anybody else, including family members combined in the mid to late 90s. But that's another story for another day. Kate, how are you? I'm great. It's great to be here. Let's start with the nomenclature here because these things, one of the reason I have a problem with some of the and look, I've wrote them too. The millennials did this, the boomers do this. I've done it too. I'm guilty. Let's start with the nomenclature because I think it's important to understand who we're talking about, and then we're going to talk about why we talk about them the way we talk about them. You is one, you self-identified as one. Give me the nomenclature. What do you consider Gen Z and why is it Gen Z? Yeah, so Gen Z used to be considered 1995 to 2012. Now some places will say 1997 to 2012. Not a huge difference there, but um, Gen Z actually is is kind of born out of the previous titles of Gen X, even though Gen Y got skipped. But Gen Z formerly by many commentators was called iGen, which I think is almost a better title for my generation. This sort of anywhere from age 12-year-old, roughly up to someone in their mid-20s right now. Um, but iGen, as I like to call it, is really emphasizing, you know, little I, lowercase i and then G-E-N. It emphasizes kind of us as a product of the technology that's raised us. I mean, some of the youngest generation here, about 12 years or so, 12 years old or so, is not going to remember a time before a highly advanced iPhone I don't remember a time before smartphones. I can remember the BlackBerry, and that's about as far back as my memory stretches. And even these older generations are coming of age when iPads, iPhones, iPods are coming out. And so we are really this first generation to grow up and experience and live through adolescence this tech wave. And that knowledge and that 
element of my generation is what permeates a lot of my work and what permeates a lot of this piece in particular. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think the gaps now should be event-based more than uh, just the age-based. And the reason I say that is exactly what you just talked about. So like if you take the greatest generation, Depression, World War II, those are generation-defining events, technology jumps, right? The boomers grew up in the TV age, the first of mass media. That's a generational-defining thing. I'm kind of the last of the Gen Xers, technically maybe the earliest of the millennials, but my parents were boomers, so I, I'm more Gen X. Those of us that got out of high school before the internet became a big thing. I graduated in 98. We had it, but it wasn't what it is now. It was still, you know, computer labs, that kind of stuff. That's a generational defining thing. We grew up kind of just with the early parts of the internet. Then I think we have these gap folks before 2006. And I picked that day because that's when we started getting the iPhones, the smartphones. I think you're exactly right. If you grew up in the smartphone, social media version of the internet, that's a generational defining thing that changes everything about you from prior generations. Is that a fair way to put it? 100%. And that's really, I think, the part of our generation that commentators often miss out on is the degree to which we are saturated with technology and just how life-shaking it is to grow up never knowing a world without it. It's kind of makes it easy to blame Gen Z for a lot of our digitized traits. We're a chronically online generation and the data is showing that we are truly chronically online, like over nine hours of screen time is the average for people above 15 and older, these teenagers in their early 20s. Um, and also, I think that that affects how we think about things and that affects how we process the world around us and our mental health and the way that we regard world events. It's truly is just like how the boomers are defined by being the baby boom. It's the same for us and it also shows why we as a generation now that we're coming of age are acting and responding to world events and developments around us very differently than any other generation and why gen z really sticks out of the bunch and is looking like it's going to stay that way yeah kate farmer joining us you wrote this piece in spectator we're going to link to it it'll also be in the Substack notes i think you finished with something that's really profound here so i'm actually going to work through your piece a little bit backwards here what you just said, and the piece is about the generation that avoids work, that's broad. There's reasons they avoid work. And I think one of the things, and you just touched on it, some of the stuff and some of those defining issues of the generation we talked about, the technology, there's so much information. They look up, look, I got kids and all four of my children fall in this, <laughs> this grouping, okay? They Google everything you say as soon as you say it to make sure you're saying it right. I think some of the work stuff, it's not just not working. I think they have a knowledge base where they're more picky about things. They expect more. They talk to their peers more because even during things like COVID shutdown, I, I remember talking to my youngest daughter. I'm like, do you miss your friends? Like, no, we talk all day because they're on, you know, they're on discords. They're on, you know, chats. They're doing TikToks. They're connected in such a different way. I don't know that the way they connect and communicate and culturally deal with each other has translated to the work environment. Is that a fair way to put part of this problem? Yeah, that's a very fair way to put it. And there's kind of two factors here when we're looking specifically at Gen Z. Um, the first factor is obviously the digitization of relationships and how Gen Z, more than any other generation by far, it spends most of their relationships online and fills in these crucial 
phases of one's life that's usually spent in person with other people online. And so there's this digital presence of being the iGen. There's also the pandemic that comes in here too, which is less on Gen Z specifically and just a greater product of all that that's happened because of the pandemic. But those two factors combined, many people my age, I'm 21, who are entering the workforce or starting their jobs this summer or this fall, for many of us, this is the first time we've been in an in-person office environment. Actually, when I showed up to where I'm working right now at AEI, um, one of our panelists asked the, the crowd, they said, how many of you, is this your first in-person office experience? And this is AEI, it's very competitive to be an intern here, it's a great honor. And still a third of the room or more, almost a half raised their hand saying, this is my first time I've worked in an office. And the average age of an intern is probably about 21, which is probably pretty foreign to a lot of older generations who have had some kind of in-person work, whether it's an office or at least a, you know, a Shake Shack or something. And so we have this digital world where we're getting less experience and less in-person social interaction. That's, that's affecting how we relate to others and generally in a negative way, not always, but usually. And then our lack of in-person work experience is making the transition to the workplace for Gen Z, for those who are entering it, a little a little shakier and a little bit more disruptive than other generations might have come into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. Yeah, Kate Farmer joining us. You touched on it, and I'm glad you brought this up in your piece. You talk about how the way your generation has, you know, they're, you're the first generation that digital media is a natural language, especially social media, this stuff. You talk about how that builds personal autonomy. You're you're you get a very sense of personal autonomy based on what everybody else is doing. And when you hit something like a power structure like the work environment, y'all just judge it differently. And again, I've seen this in my own children. I've seen it in their friends. I've seen it a little bit as a manager when I was still working they see power structures differently. And I think that might be a big disconnect, especially with the boomer generation or even some of the Gen X where we were just kind of like roll our eyes and deal with it. Our generation did a lot of that. We're just like, yeah, whatever. Y'all look at power structures very, very differently. And a lot of people just say, oh, that's a bad thing. They need to get over it. Well, okay, you can say that. There's probably truth to that too. 
but also some of those power structures, they just see it differently. Why did you put that in the piece? Because I think that's a little bit more profound thing that's not really being talked about a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see you phrase it as power structures, because I think that is a really helpful terminology to show this whole mechanism of the working life that Gen Z is just now entering and entering at the bottom level, looking up. And how generations regard the structure really impacts their decisions to enter it, the points at which they're trying to enter, and how they're going to act in the workplace and where they're going to try and end up. And Gen Z is coming in with a more pessimistic view. Generally, this is like large averages. There's also a chunk of Gen Z that's working harder and trying to climb corporate ladders more so than previous generations ever. You know, we're in the test prep, college prep era right now. And so that's a its own functioning group of Gen Z. But the majority of Gen Z aren't in that bubble. And the majority of Gen Z is looking at these sort of power structures of employment. And a lot of them are saying, I don't want that. A lot of them are coming in with this emphasis on, on work-life balance, on skepticism of the benefits of corporate climbing and moving up in the workplace. And a lot of them are saying, no, that's not for me. And I think, you know, like a lot of generational trends, this has a good side and a bad side to it. I think Gen Z is really right to look at what work can turn into. And like I'm working in DC right now, there's a lot of people here who make work their life and that it takes this indispensable first place over everything else, including family, relationships, and just rest. And Gen Z is right, I think, to look at that and be skeptical and be skeptical of the benefits it's really going to give you and the holistic life picture. But on the other side, this is causing a large scale skepticism to work and to employment and to this greater narrative that work is bad for your mental health, that work is, you know, this toxic corporate culture that's not good for you, that you're forced to do, it's going to be a slog. So I think like a lot of generational trends, it's got a, a helpful side and a not so helpful side. And this article focuses on the not so helpful side. That's what you don't hear as much, but they, they both worth, they're both worth looking at. Yeah, Kate Farmer joining us. You touch on it in the piece. You deal with some of that criticism. You talk about Gen Z being dubbed the most depressed generation. I don't think that's fair for a lot of reasons because a lot of that stuff just went undiagnosed. I don't know that it's more or less. I think it's just something we know more about than previous generations, to be fair. But you've seen these numbers and you've heard this criticism yourself, I'm sure, as you started to get out in the workplace and run into those older generations that got all the power. Right. Look at the young and folks, you know, talking. You have the, the data here, the percentage that think the pandemic negatively affect them. Is, is there an overhang a little bit here of and every generation goes through this to some extent, but. What is it for the Gen Zers, this overhang of, oh, they're the COVID kids. I've heard that term a couple of times now, or, oh, they're just, they're all going to be depressed all the time. The generalizations and the stereotypes, just kind of answer them for a minute. Yeah. And so this is a, a huge corpus of people talking about this. And I, again, I think some of it's fair. I think some of it's a bit dramatic and, you know, symptomatic of generally how generations regard one another. Older generations are going to look at younger generations and, often repeat the same thing that was said about their generation. And that's how life and generations flow together. But I, I would push back and say that I think the most depressed generation is going to be right. And I think in terms of day-to-day -day feelings of depression, I think that Gen Z, the numbers for Gen Z are catastrophic and that, and it's also directly proportional to social media use and screen use. And so it's different than the kind of, you know, formerly well-regarded sources of depression and that it's genetic it's a condition that you grow up with it tends to run in families and there's this previously 
held conception of how depression works. And then there's the symptoms of depression and anxiety that you, you develop over time with large quantities of social media and screen usage. And that's some of what new psychological science is coming out with. And that's what a lot of people are talking about when they're talking about us as the most depressed generation. Um, and that's also why it's important to talk about because this is a different form of depression and mental health crisis than what we've been seeing before. It's highly, highly correlated with social media use. I mean, I mentioned this before and it's worth mentioning again, but the averages of screen time usage for, for adolescents from age 11 to 14, the average amount of time spent on screens each day is nine hours. Ages 15 to 17, um, over half of that age group is online almost constantly. And so that's over nine hours of usage a day. And the extent to which you use social media, especially for girls, and you use screens and you, you know, are glued to these devices, highly, highly correlates with your outcomes in terms of mental health and your social success. And it, it really comes back to the whole iGen thing. And so to get back to your question, I think that that's the main defining characteristic that's shaping how Gen Z acts in terms of generational behavior and also the main sort of lever that we can try and adjust to try and improve mental health outcomes and work ties into that a bit because work is generally the antithesis of this. Hey, here's the the nut to all this though is we know that work can be good for your mental health. Work can also destroy your mental health. Um, I've publicly told people, I was like, one of my regrets is I worked way too hard. I should have been home more. I should have had a more of a work-life balance when I was in the corporate world, uh, even in my military career. And that's a different beast a little bit, but still, you know, I was the guy that never said no. I probably should have said no once or twice in there. That's a spectrum, right? We know whether you're 18 or 80 activity, work, productivity, that's all good for your mental health. But we also know it can consume you. It seems to me that the thing with Gen Z or Gen X or even the boomers are still trying to figure this out even as they're aging out a little bit. How do you balance those things? Because the whole key to mental health when you get down to it is always balancing all these different balls we have to juggle as humans. So million dollar question, give two answers in an essay. How do we balance that work-life mental health balance, especially to a generation that's not only too online, but their work's going to require them to be online. Their social status requires them to be online. The online part's not going away. So how do we start balancing all this out, do you think? Yeah, that, that's truly the million-dollar question is how do you balance what, what forms a well-balanced life and how does work come into that? I think from the research I've done from social psychology and from a lot of really helpful post-pandemic studies about virtual work. I think there's a couple key takeaways that we can think about when deciding the path of our career and our life and how that balance is going to fall. Um, I think firstly is to think about the extent to which you need and the extent to which all humans need social, in-person, physical interaction with others. I don't think, I, I'm not so far into the camp of everyone needs to be in an office or in their workplace in person nine to five every day. I think that's largely a traditional structure that obviously works for some and has a lot of benefits, but you can pursue a more flexible path than just that. And I think that 
assessing your individual needs is important. Assessing the degree to which your current employment in whatever form it comes gives you enough social interaction that you come home at the end of the day feeling satisfied and feeling refreshed and feeling like you've interacted with others in a way that's psychologically satisfying to you. I think thinking about that is important. I think we risk uh, an oversaturation of virtual work and people aren't realizing the extent to which a lack of in-person interaction is hurting their mental health. So I think thinking critically about what you need as a person, um, you know, your basic human needs, but also your individual social needs, there's a lot of variance there. That's the first thing. I think the second thing, and that I think Gen Z does a good job at generally, is thinking less about the, the money. I think thinking about where you stand financially and what you need to get you out of a hole of student debt or to get you what you need to be happy in life is important. But studies have shown time and time again that generally the amount of money you're making after a certain life point, making more money is not going to make you happier. And thinking about, okay, how much do I need to get by and have the basic needs that I need? Plus, you know, I might have extra wants, like maybe I just love skiing and I really want to be able to ski once or twice a year. I want to work a little harder and build that in. That's that that matters to me. But generally making boatloads of money, the kind of money you see at a high level corporate job is, is not going to make you happier. If anything, this, the studies show that, you know, and psychological data shows that you're going to possibly be less happy because you're losing some of these really core human needs. And so focusing less on money, thinking about in-person social interaction. And then third is probably obvious to older generations, but not as much to Gen Z is thinking about the full diversity of work options available to you. I mean, my generation, those of us entering work right now, we're, we're suffering under high inflation, but we're not suffering in terms of job choice. And that we're in a really robust labor market right now that's been pretty resilient. And there's a lot of job openings in the diversity of fields that many of us don't consider or haven't heard of. It can even be in the really large market there is for elderly care or medical assistance and nursing. There's so many really high paying, generally good houred blue collar jobs and in trades, there's needs in education, there's needs across the board that satisfy a lot of different employment needs and a lot of different personalities and skills. And there's more available to us than just the white collar nine to five corporate job. So I think thinking about those three things, about where you're landing, about the social needs that you have and the financial needs or lack thereof, you know, are some important things to help find that balance. It's obviously a full recipe, but those are some key ingredients. Yeah, I did a thing recently where I said, I think the days of just having the one job for 40 years are gone. I think you'll see a lot more piecemealing. You'll have a primary job, but you'll also have a secondary job or you'll have a little bit of a side hustle and, you know, you can feed different. I think that's where the technology comes in. Folks can kind of find their niches and still have that job that maybe pays for them so they can do the fun thing on the side. I think you'll see a lot more of that and that'll be part of that balance too. Kate Farmer, we're going to link to the piece. It's in Spectator. Um, we'll link to it. It'll also be in the Substack and all the show notes. Uh, let folks know where they can find you and follow you and keep up with your work until we see you back on Hertel again. Yeah, I would love to come back. I am can be found on LinkedIn, just Kate Farmer. I'm also on Twitter occasionally, Kate S. Farmer. But the easiest way to find me is just to follow my voice, my work through Young Voices. They have a page up, and I'll be posting about that there. Yep, we'll link to all that. Kate Farmer, really appreciate your time. Good piece, good discussion. We'll talk to you in real soon. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you. All the music on her tell is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurt Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find the Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com. <laughs>